0: Welcome back to the podcast. We are... (laughs) I'm with one of my dearest friends, Julie Smurden, who is the founder of Shri Yoga in Brisbane, Australia. She and I are sitting right now in my rental van in the parking lot of the Bayshore Bungalows in Byron Bay. And we figured the van is the best recording studio, and sure enough, it's completely true. Our sound is great, and I'm here to talk to Julie about transition. She's one of those humans who continues to rise in front of me beyond all perceived limitations, boundaries, frustrations, tragedies, and continues to impress me, not just as a friend, but also as a business person, as a a model for all of us, really, an example for all of us. Julie is a little bit older than I am, about eight years older than I am. So uh, this is a great privilege, really. I love talking to people who are beyond where I've walked. And um, this is a time for me to, I'll ask you the questions that I ask everyone at the end, but I would love to just hear from you about what the important transitions have been, uh, what the current transition is, and how you have found the strength to work through so much in your life and thank you also for being here <laughs> thank you <laughs> in the recording studio well i
1: have had a lot of transitions um in my life many many and i think god that just sounded like donald trump please edit that out many many i've had many many transitions
0: <laughs> no that's fine you have had many many transitions. i have had uh, i have
1: had many transitions and we're
0: about to fill in the flesh yeah, of that that's right statement
1: And I think the challenging ones, you know, are the ones that could be perceived as negative or difficult. Mm. The overriding thing that gets me or has gotten me through them all is a a belief that at the base of everything, there's a benevolent force that has my best interests at heart. Mm. And it's not, I don't want it to seem like a um, Pollyanna kind of you know, everything, it's all good. I I don't, anybody who knows me knows I don't like that statement because bad, you know, bad things do happen. But I've been around the block a few times, enough times to know that when things do happen, you know, there, there's a flip side always. And, you know, I do have this belief that there is an energy that supports all of our efforts, our efforts, you know, not that we get carried along by it, but that we work with it. And, you know, and and this is
0: how this is how I've gotten through many of the transitions that I've been through. I just want to put a highlighter on the effort part of it. I do think that there is a worthwhile assignment in here. I usually give an assignment Ah. with each person's episode. (laughs) And this one, I would like for you to write down, if you're listening, write down where in what area of your life you could be making a touch more of an effort that will, as Julie says, and as most of us have experienced, will be met. By grace. Where in what area could you be making a touch more effort so that that effort will be met by grace?
1: And this is the deal with that, too. Like when I describe this, when I'm teaching, I describe it as the moving walkway in the airport. You know, that energy is happening always, whether you're there or not. And so you have opportunities to get, you know, this is what you can do. You can get on and you can stand there and you'll get, you know, you'll get where you're going, or you can get on the backwards and walk the other way, and it'll be difficult. Or you can get on and you can walk and you have that feeling of floating. of floating, And that's, you know, when you're really collaborating with spirit in that way, that's the feeling that you have and doors open and close. And, you know, if you have that kind of faith that that energy, that walkway is taking you where you're supposed to go, then it's so much easier to navigate, you know, these transitions.
0: And it's always a good idea to jump on the walkway, especially when you're, well, yeah. you know, going somewhere and it's the same exact place that you would go if you had to use your feet.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: Tell us about how you and Lane met. Julie, <laughs> by the way, Julie and I have known each other for, what, 10 years? At least, yeah. No, more. Uh, no, it's probably been about 10 years, yeah. exactly. Uh, Lane is her very beautiful man. Oh, my God. Lane is um, how do we even describe him? He's like a hero to me.
1: He's He's a
0: a legend, he's a a superhero, he's a Superman. Yeah, and he's, you, you could
1: probably interview him about transitions too. You know what, he's, I will. Yeah, he's incredibly strong. I've never known anybody like him. We call him MacGyver. He's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can take a paper clip and a, you know, like a piece of paper
0: and make a car. And make a car. Yeah. MacGyver reference, just for those of you that are younger, that are younger than <laughs> right, 35 right, right. or 40 at this point. MacGyver was uh, a character in a... A regular. It
1: was just like a TV series.
0: It's like a was it a drama? Would you consider it a drama? Yeah,
1: probably or an adventure.
0: It was sort yeah, it was sort of like yeah. a serial adventure TV series, and he was the guy who would figure out how to fix anything, solve anything, make it happen. Yeah. So that's Lane. That's how did you and Lane meet?
1: Well, uh twenty years ago this year, actually. Wow. Yeah, I had um heart surgery. I have an autoimmune disorder that kind of peaked when I was in my late 30s and um, had heart surgery and had my colon removed. And there are there a bunch of other things that happened in that time. My, my mom died and I was getting ready to have this second procedure that was going to take the ostomy off, the ostomy bag off and reconnect everything inside. And I had been through over five months uh, so much and I really didn't think I could do it. Like I was prepared to just keep the bag and go on like that. And I found in 1999 on AOL <laughs> this, wow. yeah, this support group for people who have are, were going through the surgery. And there were people from all over the world on it. So I met a guy from England that I'm still in touch with and a woman from Atlanta and somebody from Milwaukee. And um, they all encouraged me to go through with this second surgery. So two days before, it might have even been the day before, I went on the, this forum and I found a post um, from someone who was having the surgery the same day. And I was just, you know, like I was really, this was probably, this was definitely the low point of my entire life. Like I just, I didn't, I was having trouble getting out of bed, really. Mm -hmm. And so I got out of bed though that day and I went on and I found a post from this person who was going through surgery at the same time. So I said, hey, would you be open to just emailing during our recoveries? I'm really scared. I don't, you know, like I don't thinking I don't want to do this. And so he wrote back and said, yeah, sure. And so over a period of time, we emailed and and became friends, and he's Lane. He was Lane. So he was in Australia, and I was in the States. And um, yeah, and that's how we that's how we met.
0: Lane is L-A-Y-N-E and for those visual humans that need to understand <laughs> how that name works, Lane is such a special um, human. He is he's very well known in this region for his capacity to restore and build. Cars, yeah, antique classic cars. cars. Um, some of the work that he's done is extraordinary. I've seen a lot of it. Pete's taken restoredclassics.com.au. Oh, yes, <laughs> thank you. Restoredclassics.com.au. The pictures are beautiful <laughs> by Pete Longworth, yeah. of course. And so, you and Lane, when I met you, I was actually meeting you in the capacity of a coach. Yeah. You were coming to me for coaching through the Handel Group.
1: That's right.
0: What a foundation for a friendship, because when we were talking early in those days, it was all about optimizing, making sure that you were in action, making sure that you were feeling connected to what you were doing, and basically just choosing well all the the different things that were going through your space. Mm. I feel like... From there, it was the it was the most optimal coach-client relationship because you didn't need me for more than three months or something. It, wasn't it was very long. No. And then you were off to the races. And that's kind of at the time when I was doing that work, that was my ideal. I would tell people straight off the bat, I don't want you <laughs> for a year. I don't even want you for six months. Like, let's do a few sessions. And then you have the capacity to go off and make great choices for yourself for your future. Um, and even for your past, what do you feel, if you had to summarize the work of Handel Group in in a couple of phrases, perhaps, what do you feel was the greatest benefit from that work?
1: Uh, personal empowerment by far. I mean, hands down. Um, I think what you and the, that method helped me to see was that I have options and I have choices. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I can't always control what happens. You know, I'm not God. Well, um but oh yes you are <laughs> but um i can re- i can choose how i respond to everything and also i think some of the things that um, i remember doing with you were going back and asking forgiveness and forgiving myself and that kind of thing lots of letter writing i remember that was really really helpful just very therapeutic yeah
0: i think the whole idea as i mentioned of of also mitigating the past through that sort of work is very interesting and critical. It was something that I didn't believe for a long time, but I remember distinctly when Lauren had me rewrite my, my understanding of my relationship to my sister. Uh, And this is something that you can do if you're listening. Let's say you had a really, just a fraught relationship with somebody in your life early on. Maybe it was a sibling or a parent or a a relative, even a friend you can actually, as though you're a creative writer, rewrite the tone and flavor of that relationship from your perspective now. Almost like you're making it up, essentially. But in fact, you're sort of, and and I don't usually talk like this, but I'm going to right now, you're sort of talking to the universe and saying, universe, what if it were like this? And presenting it as though it were At which point you are handing to the past, to the universe, to the matrix, however you want to talk about it, to spirit, another possible way it could have gone. And I found that when I did that with my sister, especially, there were a few incidents that really stuck in my mind where I was terribly mean and, or she was, or I perceived that she was being mean to me early on. I rewrote them all and I, I found from that point forth, there was... So little left between us that had any rancor in you it. You tell
1: me that story, and it's a really powerful story. Yeah.
0: yeah, so that's cool. And I remember doing that also with you. Um, and I do feel that what your assessment of the work is legit. And it's what's nice about it is it is the kind of work that you can do for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. And then you are left to your own devices. It's not something that requires you keep going back and back and back, even though it's really smart to check in quarterly or even monthly. Um, You don't need to. Tell us now, you and Lane got together then over this shared, pretty intense experience. You both healed, obviously. Um, You have a beautiful example of a relationship for all of us. The way that you support each other and the way that you lift each other. And even the way that you just, I, I don't mean this word exactly, but you tolerate each other. In <laughs> such, I don't mean this word, but you tolerate each you other. Mean. It's such a beautiful, inspiring way. Exactly. And I think that's, you accept each other. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. The use of both words is not, <laughs> it's important because there's so much, realistically, there's so much tolerance Definitely. that is needed in a in a solid relationship. Yeah. but. Um, And then since then, we are now at a point where you are transitioning your business. And this is something that I did many years ago, and I'm really just stinking proud of you for making the move. Um, By the time that this comes out, this will be in process, in enough process and in enough awareness that it's fine to talk about it. You've been owning Sri Yoga Brisbane for, and this is a a hub, an international hub for both teachers and students to come and study yoga in the heart of Brisbane for how many years? Nine. It'll be nine years very soon. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool.
0: And so just about as long as we know each other, actually. That's funny. I was just
1: thinking about that. I think the studio had just gotten underway when we, it must have, when we first started working together.
0: And the transition has not been – it's not an—it's never an easy one because you have a community and you have a, a cadre of teachers who are deeply skilled and experienced and committed. But at some point, uh, it, it, it's almost like it becomes this kind of obsolete business model. I, I hate to break it down so factually like this and so lumpishly, but the truth is when it comes to m- making a living – and sustaining your family and building your retirement, which I'm completely thinking about now, and all of us really yep. should be thinking about it. Yep. If you're listening, you should be thinking about your retirement. Why is it that a yoga studio just never makes that cut? And what I can say for me, for my part, is that it was my studio was always um, salient, profitable. Mm-hmm. I was never going to be saving money. I've talked about this a lot openly, so tell us about the transition that you're going through now with this business and what is it that you're most excited about Mm -hmm. so that someone listening can listen to that moment of, okay, one door is closing and another door is opening. And what can I orient? How how can I orient myself to look forward to the next step? Well,
1: for me, I feel like, um, I don't want to go so far as to say the business model is obsolete, but it's obsolete for me. I feel like I've reached the the end of my usefulness in that business, and it's time to hand it over to somebody who's excited and has some new life to breathe into it. Um, I I've loved having the studio. It's done everything I thought it would do. It's everything I you know. It's achieved all the things I wanted it to achieve, um, but I've just found another moving walkway. <laughs> mm. And so I feel that now is the time to get on get on a new path. Um, and so far, my steps on that walkway are, are proving fruitful. And this is how it works, I think. You you take a step and you look, you know, is the walkway still moving? Our door's opening, our door's closing. And then, you know, you can either choose to continue to walk or you get on another walkway. You find another yeah. walkway. So... Can I talk about the foundation? Sure. Okay. Please. So my the new walkway is an idea that I have because I know how hard studio ownership is, and because I really feel like yoga and so many of the you know wellness modalities are elitist. You know, like you have to have discretionary income to take a yoga class at Tree or at any place in the world, really. So what I'm looking at is creating a foundation that will pay for students within individual communities. to to practice at their local studios and that will pay the studios full price for these passes. So right now we're in an experimental phase with it where we're just kind of testing the viability, you know, does it, is there a need here? And will people take us up on it? Um, and so far the response, I mean, we're only two days into like the pre teasing launch thing. And and so
0: far the response has been incredible. Yeah. That's, you just taught me a few things. So one that the studio model isn't necessarily obsolete. So I, I revise that statement because I think it's true it wasn't it it was obsolete for me Mm -hmm. and at a certain point I had to move on but I do feel like there is in listening to you I feel like there is a need for education and there is now in light of the fact that you're starting this foundation a need for people who don't necessarily have that sort of discretionary income to experience the benefits of yoga in community in community community. yeah Uh, in community, not just in their home, not just online. Right.
1: Because those people, too, who
0: are struggling
1: financially, you know, those are the people that need a tribe. Like, they need to be with people. Um, You know, and when when we first had this idea, when I first had this idea, I could think of five people just like that in my own community who have stopped practicing because
0: they can't afford it, basically. Okay. So the transition from... Sort of one service, which is steeped in commerce, to another service, which is steeped in giving, essentially, which is very beautiful and also very inspiring. What else is on your mind in terms of the transition, if anything? Well,
1: I think for the studio, I want to make sure that the community of students feels cared for that it's not jarring, um, that the teachers feel cared for. I, at this stage, I haven't found the person yet, but I want to make sure that it's somebody that's going to carry on the vision that I had in their own voice. Um, so that's the most important thing. It's going to be hard. It's going to be sad. I mean, I've put a lot of my life into that, but it's the right thing to do. Like it's, it's just time. I think, yes, yeah, so I think making sure that people at Shri, you know, feel the love
0: in the transition is most important. That is a very delicate balance. The three questions that I usually ask my guests, what needs healing right now? My
1: relationship with money. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, truly. And it's something I've been working on for the last couple of years, but it's really, just even in the last month, I think, is really um, coming to a head for me. and. To, yeah, to the point where I'm working with somebody this afternoon actually um, mm. to go over th-
0: that very topic. Um, it's so uncomfortable. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Kate Northrup is going to be coming on to the yeah, podcast I read her soon. Book. You told me to read her book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to start to create a love story with money and to see it really as the energy that it is rather than some sort of evil force is so crucial. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm learning that. I'm reading a book
1: by Jen Sincero now. Have you read yeah, that one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's great. Yeah, I like it. it's very tongue in cheek and easy to read. Yes, it's, exactly. It's been helpful. And like, you know, it's like it's all stuff that I've known that i that you've taught me or that I've learned from Kate's book or whatever, but it's just you know, it's one of those things where I just need to keep hearing the message. Yes. You know, and just keep hearing the message until it's in my body and in my yeah.
0: you know, and in my mind. It's hard for us to part with money mm. because we think it's gonna be gone. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: What I've learned, if anything, is that the the more I learn how to judiciously play with it, give it, send it off away from me, yeah. the more it actually returns. Yeah, it's, it's circular. It comes back. It's very circular. Yeah. That's true.
1: Yeah. What
0: is your favorite view? Can I have two? Sure. Okay.
1: Um, the folds of your grandchild's <laughs> belly, I
0: know. <laughs> or his
1: little bum oh, and his little oh, leg oh, rolls. Oh, oh. No, the first one that came to mind, though, is actually the profile of my sleeping husband. Oh, bless. Yeah. Oh. His face is so relaxed and sweet when he's sleeping.
0: Mm. Yeah. What's the second one? Is it Bruno? It's Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. My
1: grandson's little. Well, his cheeks or his his butt cheeks, actually. are so cute. That's the one. (laughs)
0: That's the one. A good chunky little little boy's butt cheek. Oh, God. That's so good and finally what does prayer mean to you i've thought a lot about this
1: i feel in some ways like prayer is talking and meditation is listening mm. um but i think prayer really can be an acknowledgement of any sacred moment like right now i'm just looking outside the party van and i see the light hitting the palm leaves behind your head mm-hmm. And even just to thank you for that, you know, mm. I grew up in a very um, conservative Christian family, and so prayer was like we had a list of requests. Yeah, and I don't, I don't feel like that's prayer. That's not prayer for me anymore. Prayer is more about gratitude
0: and about noticing, just noticing. Now. My listener, you know why I am in love with Julie Smurden. Now you know. Jules, thank you so much for sitting in the party van with me <laughs> in the middle of the jungle that is Byron Bay. <laughs> it's so awesome. And uh, thank you, listener, for joining us.